The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. better get healthy and help animals welcome to main street vegan with your host victoria moran newsflash the nih and their coronavirus vaccine trials are not using animals this is a turning point says jeff brown a biologic specialist at PETA. This will change the way things are done for the rest of our lives. So, not the best of times, but some good news coming out every day. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran. This is the Main Street Vegan radio show and podcast. After the break, we will be massively motivated by Josh Lajani, who went from over 400 pounds to the cover of Runner's World magazine. And right now, I am honored to bring back for her second appearance, Brooke Goldner, MD. She is the author of Goodbye Lupus, because that was something that she overcame in her own life. And she helps patients in her Houston practice and around the world deal with autoimmune disease and other situations. She is also a sought-after purveyor of good sense advice as we go through the coronavirus epidemic, and she is the physician who just might make green smoothies, the Coca-Cola of the 21st century. Welcome, Dr. Goldner. I love that. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Well, thank you for taking time. I just feel like Everybody in the medical and the allied health professions right now are, they're really like our troops on the front line. So thank you for all you do now and all the time. Uh, So I know you've been on the show before and people have heard you other places, but just so that we know who you are, give us the quick version of, well, as they say in 12-step programs, what you used to be like, what happened and what you're like now. Gotcha. Absolutely. So uh, as you said, I'm a board certified medical doctor and I've also done years of genetic research in disease. And before any of this, though, I was a patient. So at 16 years old, I was diagnosed with lupus, which is an autoimmune disease that actually causes destruction of your own organs. 
And at the time, I was in stage four kidney failure at 16, uh, was given six months to live without any kind of severe treatments. And what they did was they used chemotherapy to shut off my immune system in order to stop the lupus, but of course, created immune deficiency. And that's really how we treat autoimmune diseases. We try to just shut down the immune system, um, but there's not a way medically to reverse it. But I uh, lived with it for many years in my 20s, developed many strokes during medical school because of the disease. And it wasn't until my late 20s, I met my husband, Thomas Tadlock. He put me on a nutrition plan, actually, to help me lose weight for our wedding. He's an amazing man who wanted to marry and take care of a sick woman who couldn't take, who wouldn't be able to have kids or, or even grow old with him. And he put me on a nutrition plan to help me lose weight. At the time, I'd been a lifelong vegetarian, but really an eggs and cheese and processed food-itarian. And, uh, and he put me on, he got rid of my dairy and, and eggs, saturated fat. And I ended up eating a high raw plant-based diet, um, for the first time really becoming fully vegan in the most nutritious way possible. And by the time I got my next labs three months later, I was negative for lupus. So not only did I lose all the weight, I went from a size 11 to a three in three months. Um, but within a matter of weeks for the first time since I was 16, I had no headaches, no arthritis, no fatigue. And that was 15 years ago. I've had two healthy kids. I'm 43 years old now, and I have never had a return of lupus or any autoimmune disease at all. In fact, I'm extremely healthy. So that changed my career as a physician. Now what I do is I teach people how to reverse diseases using supermarket foods so they can get their health back and continue living their life and not need all of those medications anymore. Oh, wow. And if you want to know more about that, the website is goodbyelupus.com. You can also find Dr. Goldner on Facebook at Dr. Goldner and on Instagram at goodbyelupus. We'll put all that on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So right now, Dr. Goldner, and I realize this is a podcast, people may be listening in 2040 when this seems like some weird historic footnote, but for right now, Spring of 2020, there is a pandemic going on. Now, we were told early on that this was only transmissible via droplets. So don't let anybody cough or sneeze on you. Don't touch surfaces and then touch your face without washing your hands. But now it seems to be different. I was telling you before the show, somebody jumped into an elevator with me a few minutes ago here in my apartment building in New York, and I ran out horrified. But should I worry? So I think we need to plan and not worry. I, I just did a, a, I'm doing a lot of live support on Facebook and Instagram, just trying to help people stay calm. I've also been doing a lot of news segments specifically about this, how not to panic during the pandemic, right? So we don't need to worry, but we do need to plan and we need to be very careful. So you're absolutely right. I would have been holding my breath in that elevator and um, <laughs> gotten out of there. So we originally thought that like many other types of viral illnesses, that it was only transmitted through droplets, so coughing and sneezing on people. But we have this epidemic now of cases of people who are popping up who are in social situations where nobody was symptomatic. So it's now likely that even just being in breathing distance of somebody who had it, or of course, more likely having touched things that they touched. So we really can't be too careful about that, which is why no matter what your local state or government person is saying we all need to avoid contact with any other people besides those that we live with in our own home right now, because we really can't quantify exactly how contagious this is. We just know it's extremely contagious. And so any way that you can avoid any other social contact, we have to do that. 
Okay, so does this mean that what they were saying about wearing a mask wouldn't help at all might not be accurate anymore? Yes. And, you know, I, I also was saying early on, you know, not to use masks, but not so much that it wouldn't help. It's that we didn't want to create a mask shortage for hospitals, doctors, nurses, and sick people, which we now have a devastating shortage of. So the people on the front lines right now are the hospitalists. So the doctors, the nurses, the other support staff, the janitors, everyone who's working in those hospitals right now. And now we have doctors and nurses that are falling sick. We've had some doctors die mm. from the from the virus. Mm. So we don't want to take masks out of the supply chain because yes. they need them the most. But we should be using some protection for ourselves. So what I'm emphasizing is really do not go out if you don't have to. For those of us who can get food delivery, get it. It's worth the upcharge. It's worth the upcharge to get the food delivered. Or if you're immunocompromised or someone in your household is immunocompromised, maybe you have a healthy neighbor that you know is going to go to the supermarket. Maybe pay them something to drop groceries off at your front door so that you can get it delivered to you somehow. Same with medications. Uh, really try to minimize how many people are going out there right now um, so that we can prevent people from getting sick from it. But if you do have to go out, I recommend you wear eyewear. So either goggles or glasses to prevent droplets uh, from going into your eyes. That's one way we get infected. Uh, wear gloves. Uh, disposable gloves are great. Uh, if not, then use those rubber gloves that you would use for dishes and then wash them with soap and water after you uh, are finished with your trip. Um, and something that can cover your nose and mouth. So I actually went online and I used a YouTube video and I made masks out of bras. It works. <laughs> it really works. Um, as long as you use the right size. There's some funny memes out there, people who used way too large cup size uh, that cover their whole head. We mm. want one that just covers your nose and mouth um, or a bandana or something like that that can protect you from the droplets uh, so that we can minimize any sort of risk that people are, are having right now. Okay. Yeah, I, I watched a video about making one out of a, a maxi pad. And it seemed rather like a craft project, but it did did seem to work. So whatever it takes, I mean, yeah, we so have I do a recommend to make your own, but not go out there and buy masks. I mean, they're hard to find anyway, Yes, but I do want to save those for the hospitalists. Absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned people who are immune compromised, who would be, as you said, um, included in that number of people who are being treated, treated for um, autoimmune disorders. So what are the best practices for them and for those of us who care for them? So we all need to treat ourselves like we're immune compromised right now. So the way that we protect the people who have immune deficiency, immune compromise, autoimmune, or even the other people who are at high risk, like people with heart disease and high blood pressure, which is the most common, right? The number one killer of Americans is heart disease. And those people are at high risk. So we really all should be treated as if we are high risk and we need to stay home. We really need to stay home. We need to avoid public places. Uh, we need to, um, like I said, avoid going shopping. All of us should be home. And if there is someone who's high risk in your home and it's not you, you shouldn't be going out either. Like I said, rely on others for delivery. Uh, and if you do get a delivery, if you can let it sit for a bit, uh, for an hour or two outside of your door, that's great. If you're worried about someone stealing it, then bring it in with gloves and leave it in another room where it can kind of air out a bit. Wipe down packages if you can with disinfection, um, not the produce itself that you'll, you'll wash normally. Um, but really do your best to not go out either and find some other way of getting food or meds delivered if possible. If that's not possible, go out with the protection that I said. When you come in, actually take off your clothing as well. Put that right into the wash. 
uh, change your clothes, wash your skin, take a shower, uh, do everything you can to try to make sure there's no chance that you have any kind of virus on your body. Now, normally that's what the doctors are doing, but if you have somebody in your home that's immune compromised, you can't be too careful. Mm, absolutely. I'm so glad to be hearing this because I, I have been hearing a little bit of, oh, for heaven's sakes, you know, does it really have to be that extreme? And I think what you're saying is it only sounds extreme. It is absolutely just right. <laughs> it's practical. When yeah. we're dealing with uh, an unknown, right? And all we know right now is that it's extremely contagious. And for a small, small percentage of the population, it's deadly. And yes. a small percentage gets very large considering how big the population is in our country or in New York, right? So yeah. we have to take this extremely seriously, but not worry. That's what I, I'm trying to separate that out, that do these things, make these plans. How am I going to get my groceries? How am I going to get my exercise in? How am I going to get my medications if you take them, right? Make plans and then spend the rest of your time not watching the news all day. One dose yeah. of news up for the day. But I'm telling people, what's your new hobby? Learn a new language. It's time to learn how to crochet. What, what is it that you're going to do with your time to make it feel like uh, you're, you're enjoying yourself in some way, right? That we can't control anything besides what the, t the steps we're taking to protect ourselves. Exactly. But get up. If you wear makeup, put it on. Do your hair. Shave, <laughs> shave, right? Let's not sink into a depression. Let's st not stop being productive in some way. Use internet and technology to reach out to people, stay connected. We need to support each other and love each other and stay busy and connected so that this doesn't take us down. We have to learn how to function in a new way, um, but not let ourselves sink into the anxiety about this. Yes. Well, I tell myself I'm on retreat and <laughs> it, it, it has had some lovely moments. So what about being generally healthy? My understanding is that when we're fighting off some sort of pathogen that we've had familiarity with in the past, that's been around a while, if we have strong immune systems, then we're better able to fight it off. But with something like this that is brand new, and my understanding is nobody has developed antigens to fight it off, are we any better off if we've been having our green smoothies and doing all the things that you and our other plant-based doctors talk about? thousand percent. So what you're talking about is two different things, immunity versus building up your immune system's health. So immunity is only gotten by exposure to the virus itself, where you've had it and you healed from it. Now you have antibodies against it or potentially a vaccine where they expose you to something that helps you create antibodies, right? So that's what immunity is. And none of us have it yet. That's what a pandemic is. It's a, a global rise in an infectious agent like a virus where nobody has immunity. So it's, that's what we've got going on right now. Um, so we can't develop immunity without exposure of some kind, right? Either to a vaccine or to the, the disease itself. But we can make our immune system healthier, which is exactly what we should be doing. I'm telling people, listen, don't buy all the chips and ice cream now while you're sitting home watching Netflix. We've got to nourish ourselves really well to optimize our immune health. So my green smoothie recipes are all things that have helped people reverse their immune diseases. Well, it also helps them get healthy. People tell me all the time that not only do I not have lupus anymore, but if I get a flu, it lasts one day instead of two weeks. So that's what we're doing. We're going to use the greens and the 
plaques and chia seeds, the omega-3s, high water intake, all of those things to boost our immune system ability to fight back so that if we do get sick, it'll be a much shorter course of the illness uh, rather than it being longer because your immune system is suppressed. I believe that's one of the reasons why the young folks have been getting sick, even though we thought it would only hurt the vulnerable, the elderly, the uh, immune compromised. We have all these spring breakers now that have the illness and some of them are serious. And it's because they were out there not sleeping, drinking alcohol, vaping, smoking. So their immune systems were, were compromised because of that, which made them have a more difficult course of the illness than they would have had if they were healthy. So we need to do everything we can to optimize our health right now, which means emotional health because emotional stress is inflammatory and hurts our immune system. And eating the best foods that you can, getting in exercise however you can, so that you are the healthiest version of yourself right now, just in case you get it and you'll be able to fight it off better. Got it. Now let's talk specifically about some of your suggestions for, for food and, and lifestyle for people. Uh, dark green and cruciferous vegetables. Yes, those are the powerhouses. So if you want to use food as medicine, then you want to use the highest dose you can, right? And the highest dose of vitamins and minerals and the other micronutrients that our bodies, our cells, our immune system uses to protect our health and to repair itself are in the cruciferous vegetables and the dark leafy greens. So, you know, all of that, especially in the raw form, so the kale and the cabbage, the broccoli, all of that um, that people usually don't eat or if they do, they steam it to death. Uh, we want to really eat those in their raw form, which is why I like smoothies, because unless you love salads, smoothies are great. You put mostly greens in, like three quarters of the blender, you put in a handful of flax or chia, and then you add fruit to make it taste however you want to. I love frozen cherries and bananas and mangoes and pineapple, stuff like that. Put water in there. And then just sipping through a straw, you're getting all the different components that your immune system uses and your body uses to repair itself and keep you healthy. Mm. And I love that you say that you're a high raw plant-based physician and, and you don't hear that very often. So what's important about that little addition? Well, you have to understand most physicians who teach plant-based nutrition have never actually been sick. They are teaching from what they've learned and read about other experiments and things like that. So for me, I come from a unique position in that I have actually healed myself. So I know what works uh, from my own experience. And then I've spent the last decade purely focusing on disease reversal. So I'm not just reading research, but I have a normal practice where I'm using meds all day. Um, I'm not just reviewing other people's articles. All I do is disease reversal. And so over the past decade of applying these programs for people, what I've found is that people who are just eating the cooked stuff all day long, they either can still develop autoimmune disease or they don't fully recover, like complete reversal. Whereas if they do 75% or more of their food coming from the most nourishing raw foods, they have a rapid reversal. I mean, I have people who have had lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, other diseases for years, sometimes decades, who are symptom-free in a matter of weeks. So this is the most effective way. And you know, there's other folks like Ellen Joppe Jones, everyone knows mm -hmm. and loves her, plant-based for many decades, who developed psoriasis two years ago, and within two weeks of doing my version, my smoothies, uh, her psoriasis plaques were gone. So there's a difference in the nutrition level when you switch over to the raw food. So if you're generally healthy, adding the smoothies to your life and keeping your cooked plant-based foods will be fine. And for those who are very sick or are looking to optimize their health, you want to focus on eating those salads and smoothies and things during the day, getting your water intake in and making the cooked food maybe something that you have for dinner or maybe something you add to your salad, like lentils on top. So that way your food is mostly about nutrition and not just about comfort.
Mm. This is so fascinating to hear because having been around this world for, oh my gosh, nearly 50 years at this point, this is what I have observed observed as, as a lay person, that a lot of people get better just going plant-based, but yes. some people really need to go all the way and, and really get to the high raw. So thank you so much for being a voice for that, for, for those who need it. So then you talk about omega-3 fatty acids. Yes. So omega-3 fatty acids are so essential to our body and we can't make them. And so those actually make our cells function better when they incorporate into our cell membranes. And they are the primary ingredient that creates our anti-inflammatory immune system. And that's one of the problems when people are on that low-fat vegan diet and they think that all fats are bad. It's not true. Actually, omega-3s are essential. And that's one of the things that are often missing from vegan diets. So flax and chia seeds are super cheap way to do it. You can buy them in bulk uh, and you blend them up into your smoothie and they work really well. And it's one of the reasons why people's inflammation levels come down so quickly in my program is because of the high doses of omega-3. So my understanding is that that's the ALA, a fatty acid that has to be translated into EPA and DHA. So is there some reason that at least some of us or should be getting a fully formed omega-3? I mean, I had my omega-3 fatty acids tested a couple of years ago and my ALA was rock star level but my DHA and EPA were rock bottom. So I must not be one of those people who translates well. Well, what I found really is that for most people, if they eliminate high sources of omega-6, the uh, the enzyme that will convert the ALA works just fine. So the enzyme that converts ALA into EPA and DHA is the same enzyme that will break up LA or the omega-6 pathway, which is the inflammatory pathway, down into the more inflammatory components. It prefers the inflammatory pathway for some reason. Mm. So a lot of times, um, if somebody who's plant-based is having that issue, it's not because they're eating other sources like uh, meat and dairy or even oils, but sometimes they're using a lot of nuts and seeds. Okay, because got those it. Are super high in omega six too. So yes. I usually say avoid the nuts and seeds for now. Focus on the super high doses of flax and chia seeds. There's nothing wrong with getting some direct sources like algae, example. But mm -hmm. algae, I mean, it's super low dose. It's like these little droppers. So it's very hard to elevate your dose without going through a dropper bottle every two days. And some of them dissolve the algae oil in other oils like sunflower oil, which is super high in omega six and it cancels the whole thing out. So we don't have a lot of other choices for direct sources of, of uh, omega three. But if you have trouble converting it, I would probably use a combo of both and really cut down on the other sources of omega six until you get those numbers up. I am much more educated than I was two minutes ago. <laughs> and we have a caller, Olga. Hi, good afternoon. Um, my question is in regards to the hypernutrient. Um, to start off with one smoothie a day, is that enough for the vitamin intake that we're, you know, that we're needing daily? Or should I include the smoothie with raw or some cooked foods? Hi, Olga, that's a great question. So it really depends on what you're trying to do for your health. So the more of the hypernourishing foods, and hypernourishment is what I talk about when I talk about getting foods in that offer the highest nutrient level possible in high amounts, so not just a normal amount, but a hyper or elevated amount. So the more you eat of those foods, the faster your recovery and the better of your health is. So uh, I have sometimes people who are athletes who are not sick, they'll do the full raw plan. They're drinking a full Vitamix blender a day of their smoothies and eating salads on top of that. 
and they're able to actually have a, a more rapid progression of fat loss of beating their their previous uh, uh, records in their different kinds of sports that they play so whether you're just trying to get healthier or just elevate your body in any way the more the better so in our smoothie shred community we give out free recipes and videos on this stuff at smoothieshred.com as a public service and what we tell people is try to drink the blender by the end of the day and then eat the other foods that you would normally so if you're not trying to reverse disease but just get healthier just by the end of the day so you make it and then as you go through the day you just have another glass until you're full eat whatever you want and just try to finish that by the end of the day and that's going to give you the max nutrition now if you have got gut issues where that's hard to do then you do it at the pace that works for you okay great. does that answer yeah, your question I mean olga well, yes, it does. Well, I'm wanting to reverse um, lupus. I have mixed tissue disease and RA. So um, I just really want to, you know, hit the ground running real hard. So I believe I'm going to do the raw and um, yes. the smoothies. But, yes, that answers. And I thank you so much for your time. Thank you, ladies. Thank so you. Welcome. Thanks for listening. Let me know how you do. Shoot me an email and let me know how you're doing, okay? Great. Will do. Perfect. And we'll put that information on the show notes that should be up shortly after this program. So then Dr. Goldner, you talk about water and oh my gosh, you talk about a lot of it. <laughs> tell us how much and tell us why. Oh yeah, you're underwater. No, uh, so what we found is while the general recommendations for human health is about 64 ounces, which most people miserably miss anyway, for disease reversal, 96 ounces appears to be the minimum that allows rapid reversal. So remember, I'm known for rapid disease reversal. And when people are dehydrated, it just goes really slowly because water is necessary for all of the different systems that need to run in your body, as well as all the chemical reactions involved in disease reversal. So if you're low on water, your body's going to prioritize water intake to your essential organs, but not to all these other things that we want to make happen. So for most people who are over 120 pounds, 128 ounces, get that gallon of water in a day. And uh, yes, you'll be peeing a lot, but most people aren't leaving the house anyway. So <laughs> between the fiber and the smoothies and the water, most people are peeing, pooping all day, and that's totally fine. Uh, that is really the way, when you're using, again, food is medicine, what goes in must come out. Um, but that is the most effective thing. And everything I teach is based off results. So if it's not something that works for every single person, then we don't teach it. And this is an essential component that's often been left out of people's nutrition recommendations is really how essential water is and how much you really need to reverse an illness. Now, are you talking just plain old water? I am. Just, Carbonation I mean, just... doesn't work. Uh, I'm not talking about herbal tea. Now, is it possible that using water in tea will give you the same results? It's possible, but I haven't tested it. And I don't teach theory, only results. So okay. I know plain water works. You can put a squeeze of lemon in there if you want. That works. But I, I only count plain water as water. Got it. And very quickly, I wish we had all day. We have about a minute and a half. Inflammatory foods, inflammatory practices, what should we stay away from? All right, so the most inflammatory foods there are are going to be meat and dairy and other animal products, but also processed food. There's a lot of vegan food out there nowadays that is not healthy. It's gotten way too easy to be an unhealthy vegan. So all of those impossible burgers and things like that, those are uh, what I call recreational foods. People do it to get high. But if you are <laughs> trying to get healthy, they should not be on your diet. You should be healthy for at least six months or more before you introduce recreational foods. So all the processed junk food will generate more inflammation and will actually cause your health to go down. So if you need to get better faster, 
take those out of your diet completely. If you're otherwise healthy, make sure you're getting your smoothies and raw and healing foods in every day, your water every day, and eat that maybe once a week or so uh, to get high, but that's about it. You have got it going on. <laughs> Dr. Brooke Goldner, goodbyelupus.com. Find her on uh, Instagram at goodbyelupus, and we'll just put all that information on our show notes. Thank you so very much. And we so actually do much. have a coronavirus page. If you go to goodbyelupus.com slash coronavirus, I'm keeping updates there for best practices for people. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us today. Everybody else, stay with us. We're going to get to the exercise part in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Thanks again for being with us for this episode. And please check out www.mainstreetvegan.net where you will see that our blog this week is a spicy story with a fabulous pasta recipe from my colleague, a former guest on this program, and I'll bet anything she'll be back. And she is now a fellow host on Unity Online Radio. She is Laura Theodore, the jazzy vegetarian. She's got a PBS show and all kinds of great stuff. So do check out her guest blog this week. And you'll also find at MainStreetVegan.net a pop-up that links to the e-booklet I've put together in response to the virus where dealing with right now. It's called Your Little Immuno Guide Plus Soul Soothing Tips. So do stop by. The ebook is really free. You won't be subscribed to anything. This is simply a gift because heaven knows right now we can use one. And right now, let's just get fitter than we've ever been with a man who has done something extraordinary. But he wouldn't say that. So I'm going to read his intro just as he wrote it in the first person. Josh Lajani says, I'm just a regular person from South Louisiana who was over 420 pounds, feeling heavy physically and emotionally. I wound up making a change in lifestyle in 2011 that brought me to running because I thought it would help me lose weight faster, which it did, even though I'd historically hated it. But that activity reoriented me into a growth pattern that brought me to a plant-based vegan diet after initially losing 100 pounds but stalling out. After the shift, I lost another 120-ish pounds and have continued to grow and hone my running in pursuit of human authenticity. Gosh, Josh, I just want to say bless you and welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me. It's It's wonderful, wonderful to have you. I love people who are truly humble, and you truly are, despite incredible accomplishments. You've been all over the media. You've been on great big TV shows. 
And yet you're a real person and it's a pleasure, pleasure to know you. So what's it like being vegan in the deep South? It, it can be, well, it, logistically it can be, it can be quite difficult. Um, but the logistics are a lot easier actually than the social components. If you, you know, if you ask me, cause every grocery store has a produce department and you can find healthy food even in the middle of, you know, Podunk, Mississippi or wherever you might find yourself just by going to the, the produce department, you can, you can solve the logistical issues of eating a plant-based diet. The, the tricky part for me is the social interactions, like people I've grown up with my whole life, and you boil crawfish and you have a fish fry or you go to the camp for the weekend or, you know, you're having a barbecue and you're going to play Pedro and drink beer. And rightfully so, Josh doesn't get invited to that anymore, you know? Um, that's different. That's a different thing in my life. And that's, that's heavier. Not that I don't, maybe I don't want to be invited. I don't know. But the social component I think is, is what is the biggest obstacle for most people and rightfully so it's, it's some heavy lifting. There's no doubt. I, I actually, you know, as much as I love the vegan I've grown into, I mean, I got into this sheerly because I wanted to be a better runner at first. And the things that I learned as I read more and more about a plant-based diet, some of the, some of the ethical components, you know, um, really started sort of like evolved me as, as I, as I grew and as I, as I went along, um, beyond just the health of it. Right. And, and that part, makes me feel often like an alien um, here because I do like people go, Oh, it's just a crab or it's just a fish or it's just a crawfish. And not only do I know that those things are basically, especially above a certain quantity, basically poison for the human body. I also know that that thing was a life that was brought forth that had nothing to do with us. It has its own existence, its own reason for being here. And we're not true carnivores like lions or anything else. We're just doing it because it's more tasty, because it's more calorically dense, because it's more traditional. And and we're willing to just dismiss life and, and be so frivolous with such a precious thing. That's That makes me different here now because I grew up hunting and fishing, and that part is harder for me to wrestle with as I grow and become a more – mature, experienced, uh, vegan and plant-based person, you know? Yeah, that has got to be really tough. You remind me of somebody that I knew she was kind of grandmother age when I was 20. And Mm -hmm. she had talked about, uh, just wanting to uh, swat all the flies and just, you know, keep everything just very, we don't need anybody flying around here. And she saw somebody pick one of these flies up with a piece of paper and a jar and carry it outside. And when he came back in, she said, well, that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And he said very simply, nobody knows what life is. And maybe that's just the difference. <laughs> People mm. who, who kind of have that, that reverence. And maybe it's just for us to be nice and kind and tolerant to everybody and, and help them see that this is another way of being in the world. Yeah, and there's, and there's also like there's also a heaviness to the fact that it, 
to me, beyond the nutritional components of it, because we could talk about that all day, but there's a heaviness to the to the sheer number of animals I've killed with my own hands in my life. And now, like, now that I see things a different way, I, I even, like, I gravitate to not eating them now even more in a more, in a more hasty way, if you will, like in, 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 in a purposeful way now. It has, because uh, I remember those feelings, and I remember those feelings at the time going, oh, stop that, you know, this is part of life. This is our food. This is what we have to do. I remember all of those conversations inside of myself when, you know, when I was, you know, killing a pig or a rabbit or whatever it was, you know, tearing a hook out of a fish's face. Or, and um, and now to be able to sort of let those feelings like have a space in my life, it both feels comforting and scary at the same time. You know, that's the biggest thing about being a vegan in the South to me. Um I feel awakened and I feel more in touch with nature than I ever have in my entire life. Yet I feel more apart from man in this environment than I ever have in my entire life. It generally speaking. And, um, you know, that, that feels heavy a little bit. And, but what makes me excited, what the thing, the thing that, you know, the health benefits of a plant-based diet brings to someone like me is, a reason to talk about technically veganism without having to bring up those sort of ethical and real touchy feely components of, mm-hmm. of my why, you know? Um, and when we, especially when we're talking about like right now, what we're going through and nobody says, Oh, well, it's only affecting people with underlying conditions or <laughs> people don't understand how many of us are walking around with underlying conditions and, and, you know, people are taking medications to sort of mitigate those underlying conditions, but they have them. Therefore, you are susceptible, not to mention the damage that the pharmaceuticals are doing to your liver. So my point is more plants in your diet, regardless of whether you can feel for animals the way I do or not, is a good thing. And it will help all of us, including the animals. You shouldn't not go vegan just because it's nice to animals, you know, in defiance of kind of way, because that's sometimes how I feel about the vibe I get when I talk about it here often, you know, it's like, oh, you say, oh yeah, well, I'll eat your share. I'm going to eat twice as many ribeyes or whatever. And it's kind of silliness. Um, you know, I hear the same thing here in New York City. People that right. don't get that part of it don't want to get it. But no, whenever the doctor all. says, okay, it, it's vegetables or Lipitor, then lots of yep. times they will wake up. Yep. I've so, even had people, I've even had people down here that, you know, I've spent days and days with helping them and doing biometrics with them to prove to them how their condition is being made better. And I've even had, and I'm thinking of one individual, I would never say their name, but I was, I'm thinking of one individual from here, wonderful older woman, you know, grandmother, mother of adult children, type 2 diabetic, overweight. You know, I, she, I explain everything. She understands it. She gets it. She had seen forks over knives and all of the stuff. And she loses like 80 pounds, gets off of her metformin, her A1C drops down to like below five, right? But socially, in her life, 
it was so difficult to keep a husband happy and her, her entire family who's used to her gumbo and her fried chicken and her fried fish and her cakes and her pies. It was so difficult for her. She decided, she made a decision to become diabetic again. Wow. That's how powerful it is, you know. That's how powerful the social component is, and that's why I speak up so much about it, because the more I can normalize it as a person that walks and talks and sounds like the people around here who thinks it's, and, and think it's okay to eat this way and be this way and feel this way, it, you know, that's how we change it, I think. You know, I can't mm-hmm. do anything about her specific instance, but let it affect me and let it make my why even heavier, you know? Amen. So just, Josh, play a little game with me. Let's just envision, let's envision your hometown vegan or not even 100%. Let's just say if 75% of the people in your hometown were vegan, were plant-based, how different would life be there? Um, We would need to get a lot more sidewalks. I can tell you that. Um, Life would be... Life would be much different. Life would, there would be a lot less funerals. We do, we do a lot of funerals here. Um, that, you know, people would be probably happier. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are looking towards, con- you know, money-born consumption to, to find ultimate happiness, whether it's at the, the you know, whether it's at the, the fish fry, the crawfish boil, the fast food place, the bar room, whatever. And, but that, that 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 sort of happiness acquisition protocol requires lots of money and it requires a, a, a job that you stuck at for long for a long period of time to make the money to get the quote unquote happiness that you want right and what it what living this way has done for me is like a stake doesn't mean success anymore to me you know knowing that my blood pressure is correct knowing that I am as close as I can possibly get to the most authentic version of this human animal that was, that's evolved for all these eons. That is powerful to me. And and to think that somewhere like a town in, in a place called sportsman's paradise could actually get closer to that more authentic human sportsman that can, you know, bipedally locomote across acres and acres of swamp land. Right. I think that if we adopted a more plant-based diet, we would accidentally be eating a lot more similarly to our ancestors than we currently assume. And so not only would it be a healthier community and a more active community, but it would be a more authentically Cajun community with, with backyard gardens and you slaughter a pig once a year a boucherie because it's a big deal because pigs it's heavy it's a heavy thing you know whatever the thing is whatever those constraints were that kept our consumption levels the way they were back then um if we can adopt those same things because of heart disease and diabetes and obesity and because it would help our immune system against coronavirus and we would be yeah. uh, not not only a healthier and more active community that's behaving more authentically, but but 
but a lot smarter one and more more able to help our neighbors and the people around mm. us and people in need, you know? Yes. I haven't spent a lot of time in Louisiana, but I used to date a guy down there and I spent some time in Lafayette and I just mm -hmm. remember going to a dance and I'm yep. not a very good dancer, but, but this do. total stranger came and grabbed me and we yep. went around this dance floor and other than the birth of my daughter, that might've been the highest high of my life. And I always remember yep. thinking, this Louisiana, it's like another country and people really know how to be happy. And if yeah. you could tie that, that ability to be happy with the ability to be truly healthy, wow, yeah. what a place. <laughs> so your work's cut yeah. out for you. So Josh, I know you're a runner and, and you're an athlete and a lot of us now are like stuck inside. And what do we do? How, how are you staying fit and how can we civilians stay fit right now? Um, just, just, you know, do the, do the force yourself to do things that that you you're not gravitated towards while you're stuck inside. Like you gravitated towards the sofa and towards Facebook and towards YouTube. And of course, I do all of those things too. I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm sitting while I am staying busy and staying active. I am sitting around a lot more than I normally would. That being said, I do force myself to get outside and go. I live in the country, kind of, so I have the opportunity to go walk back in the cane field. There's acres and acres and acres of sugar cane around where I live. And I can go walk back there for a mile or two miles and not see anything but bugs and birds and maybe a snake or two. And that helps keep me sane and physically active. And it gives me a chance to, you know, rub up against mother nature for a little while and, and appreciate the fact that, Hey, you know, regardless of the craziness going on in the world alive at the end of the day, like, my heart is beating and I am upright and I have an opportunity today to live. Whereas other people are struggling or have had that opportunity yanked from them. Mm. You know? Well, I have to say, and, and after talking with Dr. Goldner in the first segment, I, I may change how I walk my dog, but I do have to get out, you know, two, three times a day to, to walk the dog. And I live between three beautiful parks and I know it's mm -hmm. not, quote, nature, like real woods and <laughs> places like that. But I've never been an outdoor person. I've always thought the ceiling was missing. But now that that is the high point of my day, and I'll go to Central mm -hmm. Park, and I'm at the north end where we've got this pond, and there are geese and ducks, and there was some kind of bird yesterday that looked like a heron, but he was brown instead of white. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe he was just a female heron, she, I don't know mm -hmm. what. I just know... There's something so uplifting about that. So, so thanks for reiterating that point. So you are a runner and not everybody can run. What, what else is good? What, what can non-runners do to yeah, I, get the I, yeah. level of fitness you're talking about? Yeah, my running, my running, um, my running gets all the, gets a lot of the publicity, but I, to be honest, like I'm struggling right now with, with running because being a runner, you constantly, if you're trying to do, you know, trying to reach for the stars, you're going to be injured from time to time. And so I've been dealing with some stuff um, in one of my feet. I have, a, I was in a race in December and I'm still struggling with a little bit of something I did to one of my feet during that race. Um, 
And so I'm in that mode right now where I'm not able to run a hell of a lot. So what I am doing is I'm walking a lot. I, myself, I do something really simple like put on a weighted vest to make it more difficult or get on a treadmill and walk at an incline. You know, you'd be surprised how an easy walk can have you dripping with sweat in 30 minutes or 20 minutes if it's on a 5 or an 8 or a 10% incline on a treadmill. Um, I think there's there's real value in in holding that, that steady state for a while as part of your workout a couple of times a week, if not your entire workout, you know, most of the week. And and then just normal functional body weight stuff inside the, you know, squats and lunges and push-ups and pull-ups if you can find a safe place or do, you know, and do all of those aided. If you can't, oh, I don't think I can do a push-up, Josh, or I don't think I can do a pull-up, Josh. Well, look on YouTube because that's all I did when I was still 380, 400 pounds, but I'm like I'm trying to figure things out. I learned, oh, I don't have to be able to do a pull-up right now. I can just do a negative, which means I could just jump up and then hold resistance against myself as I let myself come back down and then jump up again. You know, like there's tons of be curious is what I would recommend right now. Um, and uh, approach, approach our current situation with curiosity, with more curiosity than we use, um, say, angst or worry. Um, because there are opportunities in this in this wild and crazy time that we're going through if we allow ourselves to breathe and calmly move through them um, in a purposeful, you know, way. And a big part of that is, is moving your physical body. Your emotions are directly affected by your motion. So motion begets emotion. And that is very important to remember as we start to worry as, and become still at the same time. Ah, that's beautiful. This is Josh Lajani, everybody. Sick to Fit is uh, where he hangs out, sicktofit.com, S-I-C-K-T-O-F-I-T. And you can also find him on Facebook at sick to Fit and Josh Lajani on Instagram. We'll put all that on our show notes. So you belong to a really interesting club. It's called the Missing Chins Run Club. What's that about? Right. That is just, you know, it started out as just a, a, a few guys who we had found each other through social media who had lost triple-digit weight and were now runners, you know. And, and so it was just a funny thing. A few of us had kicked around the idea of, like, you know, pie-in-the-sky aspirations. Of, oh, maybe we should become a band of speakers. And, like, it was like a, you know, daydreaming about stuff. And one day I just decided to start a secret group with all of the guys who had kind of been kicking banding about the idea um, for us to have a collective place to just kind of, you know, get together because we all feel like aliens in our own locales because you don't really run across people who've lost two three hundred pounds um and are now running ultra marathons and stuff you don't so when you do you kind of want to remember them and be friends with them and make a connection so that's what this group started out as was that and one of the guys in the group um um wrote a book his name's um eric o'gray um I'm sure you're familiar with Eric. Eric's a good friend of mine. And Eric contacted uh, uh, Runner's World 
um, and said, hey, I love that story. You think we should just tell the people at Runner's World? And I said, sure, that would be fine. I think that would be awesome. And then so when we did, our little secret group became something much, much bigger. Uh, and and then next thing you know, we're being invited on Good Morning America and, um, you know, the Today Show. And it's just been it's just been a wild ride. It's been really, really, really cool. Um, and so much so that we sort of lost the identity of that small, little, tight-knit group. And so we decided, because there was such an interest in it, to really make it more public, you know? So we started a public Facebook page um, called the Missing Chins Lifestyle uh, uh, page. And that way there's no – because it was just us guys, and it was mostly like a bunch of ex-fat, older, white guys. And it's just – like sort of a just kind of a a sloppy place a sloppy little hangout right and i feel like our more public page has really allowed the group that initial group of guys to make a difference in in the in the world at large like in a bigger way um instead of having you know just this we still have the secret group and we still lean on each other for things it's not it's not as big uh, as like a public page would be, or as or um, as many filters in that secret group, but the public page has been a way for us to, as a secret group, really teach other people who want to know the things that we've learned. And who knows, you might get invited to the secret group if you participate in the public one. Um, and and so the the public yeah. one is missing chins lifestyle group on Facebook. Yes, ma'am. On Facebook, oh. anybody can oh. join it and check out one of our missing chins brothers, Bob Page, started a podcast called The Grind that goes with it, um, and he and he will post uh, episodes of The Grind on that page. Um, so it's it's really we, it's small time. It's a little bit of content, but it's a, it's a work of passion. And it really means something to all of the guys involved. And so, if you're interested, that's 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 what we're about. That's what it is. It's just a that's the that's sort of how the the, the club got got germinated, and and where we have grown to today, and what it is now. And it's a mm. and it really is it really is a brotherhood. We fight. We we argue just like any other group you would imagine. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we we still we still all brothers. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, I can see how important that would be because the amount of weight I lost, it's a little over 60 pounds. So it doesn't seem like much compared to somebody that lost the amount you did, except I lost that same 60 pounds about 30 times before it finally was gone for good. And it's been gone for 36 years. And so I look one way, but my history and my natural inclinations are something else. So whenever I can be around other people who have had that experience, it's really special. Yes, it is. Well, yes, you are is. really special too. I can't believe that that we're we're nearly finished here, Josh. I just want to get to know you better. You're just such an uplift and such a light in this world. So thanks for doing all that you're doing in Louisiana and all over everywhere. Everybody listening, thanks so much for being with us today. Stay well, stay safe, stay happy, and stay vegan. See you next time.
Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.